Oklahoma archery, everything archery based out of Oklahoma for Oklahoma. Let's get it started. Welcome everybody to another Oklahoma archery podcast. I'm David Bosca. I'm big deer killing Neil. Guys, tonight we got Ty Dameron with us from up the northeast part of the state. How you doing today, Ty? Doing pretty good. Just getting off work after a long day at the shop. Well, y'all give give you much of a background on Ty as I can. He's been shooting a long time. He's he's won out of some ASAs. He's won some state championships at several levels. He's uh, made a little bit of noise at the national stuff, and he's usually taking home some of my money at the end of the weekend. Uh, how long have you opened up your shop and tell us about it up there in, uh, it's, it's close to Wagner, right? Yeah. So we're just South of Wagner, actually in between Muskogee and Wagner, but technically Wagner. Um, we've been open now for, I believe a year and a half going on two years. So it's been a roller coaster, man, uh, started out, you know, not really expecting, not expecting much, but it, it, it really has taken off and it's been a blessing for sure. Uh, we carry Matthews, Bear, Prime, and Bowtech, working on a lot of other companies right now. Your favorite, Hoyt, that's that's probably next up on the roster. But uh, bow sales have just skyrocketed and service work. And more, more honestly than I can keep up with, I've pawned my younger brother into working for me as much as he hates it. And But I pay him good, so he, uh, <laughs> he makes his time stay up there and help me. And my dad is a big help with me, too. And he keeps the between the three of us we keep things rolling along but it'll probably have to have more help in years to come sounds pretty good i know you're uh i know you're busy in the hunting season have you have you got any treats stand time out yet uh very very little we uh like i said it's august and september man it's just like the super bowl for any archery shop if you ever if you've been in an archery shop or owner archery shop or have helped anybody in that time of year you just know that it's just it's crazy like people are just in there nine you know all all day long every day balls to the wall and trying to get stuff ready last minute so it's really hard to prep your own stuff so tree stand time out hunting has been very very limited we did we did make a short jaunt to uh nebraska earlier this year in september just for a couple days to kind of do a scouting mission prep so plan on going back there here in a couple weeks um we hunted antelope in the panhandle of Oklahoma. That was fun for a few days. Got on some stocks, got rained on, got three and a half inches of rain out there. So that uh, that put a damper on hunting water holes. So it was basically left up to spot and stocking. And that's pretty dang hard when there's no terrain, if you've ever been into the panhandle. But a little bit of that. And uh, I killed a doe a couple Fridays ago. So that's about it. Just kind of waiting on this next big cold front to roll through so I can hop in a tree stand and wait for something to walk by. But well, Ty, before we get too far into this, won't you tell everybody about your hunting rig? So this year I'm running the Matthews uh, Phase 433, um, 28 and a half inch draw, 70 pounds. I'm not trying to be all show off and shoot 75 pound mods and this and that, but just a nice smooth 70. Um, as far as like accessories go, I'm running the old faithful uh, Excel landslide. I've had that on there for a long time. Three pin slider, 20, 30, 40. And then the bottom is a floater, uh, Hamsky Epsilon, B-Stingers, trusty old Victory VAP TKO arrows, and tip with Swacker broadheads. I'm, I think I'm 19 or 20 deer in deep with those. So I've had phenomenal luck with them over the years, so it's hard to 
hard to switch away from my whitetail setup. Do you change your arrows or anything like that from when you said antelope or the whitetail, or do you just let it be? Man, I get so comfortable shooting a bow. It's hard to try to set up a whole nother bow for, for just one species. But if I ever plan on going out west like an elk hunt or something, I'm sure I'd set up a different uh, a different arrow setup. But no, I think I'm shooting around 285, 290 at my draw length. I'm just average-sized Oklahoma, Oklahoma guy. So about 285, 290, and that, that really gets me. I can get out to about 90 to 100 yards with decent arrow clearance. But uh, – elk i would probably go a little heavier but for whitetail you don't need a lot so i try to keep it fast and quiet and just pretty flat shooting i've seen i've seen some pictures of your groups out at about 100 and some change how many uh everybody listening that's gone to the tack they've all seen the big challenge where you pay was it five or ten fifteen dollars an arrow and you try to hit a coffee mug size pin ring at 114 twice now i've got entered in that sucker and i can't you know it's it's such a free-for-all at that distance man like a 16th of an inch bobble is like a foot down there at 112 yards so you uh you really got to get lucky i might lose you going around this corner here i am driving um the uh, you might you might get lucky and get one in there and then get drawn but now this year i paid for six shots at the tack and uh i got all six arrows in the tin ring and two of them of which were touching the 12 ring, but you have to be, if you know, inside out of the 12 ring to get entered. And so, man, I, I was the first guy to shoot arrows on Friday morning and I shot three arrows and all my fletchings were touching at 112 yards. And I was just like blown away with that group. But then the guy that walks up there and pays for one arrow, you know, probably hits it and gets the arrow in the 12 ring and wins the truck. But <laughs> it's a, it's a free for all at that distance, but I love shooting long distance. I, I truly believe, and I try to tell my customers this too. You know, if, if you practice double the distance, your max distance, you're going to shoot at a whitetail or any animal. So say that'd be 40 yards for everybody, you know, shoot 80 or say it's 50, shoot a hundred, just really maximize your distance and it'll make those closer shots, you know, look, look that much easier. And that that's with anything with guns, pistols, bows, whatever. Sounds like some pretty so, uh, pretty solid coaching there. Yeah. You got to have limitations, though. I mean, not – I hear this a lot from other people, too. It's like, oh, I shoot, you know, stuff at, you know, 80, 90 yards or some guys' maximum distance they're comfortable with is maybe 20, 30. You, you can't lay your your ability on other people, you know, expectations of their ability. So it's like you just got to know your what you're capable of and kind of cap yourself off because I don't – I'm not, don't get me wrong, I'm not advocating people out there slinging arrows at deer at 75, 80 yards, you know, but do practice that far because you never know. You might shoot one and he runs out there and need to put another arrow in him. So, secondary shot. From a, from a practical standpoint, it seems pretty solid. That's yeah, my, sure. my biggest fear about the tack is you line up a whole course of 80 to 88 yard shots and everybody thinks that's kind of par for the course now and... <laughs> No, Man, I'm, no, by, by far, and that's, and I think that's what they need to preach more is like, hey, this is practice. This is, you know, just to hone your skills and make you better. But in in the scheme of things, archery and bow hunting as a whole is a game of how close, not how far. So you don't, we don't need to be saying, oh, well, if I get them within eighty or within ninety, they're dead. You know, and if you're if you're comfortable taking that shot, but more power to you. But my my goal is to get as close as I can and especially Western animals as close as I can. And if I have to shoot that far, I know, I, I know I can, 
but and the goal the goal every time is to shoot them at 15 yards you know regardless of the species but, I, I agree i agree 100 percent what's your plans for this year talking on a different note what are, what's your plans for 3d this year are you going to travel around and hit all the asas well it, it's kind of uh, i'm going to go to as many of the pro-ams as i can depending on how long my vacation holds out um at work I, at first i didn't like the happened because I'm, I'm shooting known 45 probably for the rest of my life until i'm yeah. shooting senior known 45 but uh One <laughs> yeah something like that god lord willing um i used to not like how they were making they took the friday option they took your sunday away so you can shoot back-to-back rounds saturday yeah and i was like man that's just that's just a lot of shooting for one day and now looking at the way the vacation days are piling up to go to these different traveling events it's like oh, i might I might skip the Friday option, work an extra day, just head down there and bang them both out Saturday and head home. Yeah. Um, it's a lot of it's a lot of driving, it's a lot of shooting, but yeah, I'm I'm gonna hit as many local ones as as, as the schedule allows, and I'll hit probably three or four pro ams. Um, are you? I guess I I know I know I know Dave wants it to be indoor season, but are you shooting the same 3D rig for indoor? Or are you gonna set something different up with? Uh, 27s or something man to be honest with you i've never very seldom i ever have an actual indoor setup and i've listened to some the your, the fewer you know the other podcasts you've had and then i've heard him talk about how he loves the indoor season but man indoor to me and you can hate me as hate, hate me as much as you want for saying this indoor to me is preparation for 3d <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean hey man so, to eat your own to eat your I, own that's I what love, that's the thing I love paper pounding, but man, it's, it, to me, it's, it's preparation for that first 3d of the year gets me in the groove, but, um, I'm not, a am kind of, I kind of side with my buddy, Jacob Marlowe. I'm like, uh, indoors is kind of stupid. I want to shoot 3d <laughs> that and kill animals. You know what I mean? So. That's, that's, that's why you want to stay sharpie around. It's always the next one. It's never the last one. Yeah. Um, I'm a, I'm a hunter at heart, but man, target archery is holds this near and dear to me so i uh even even sitting in a tree stand or you know waiting on a big buck i'm still thinking of hey what's my next what's my next indoor setup or what's my next uh 3d rig and like i said most i do i'm not hating on indoor i I like shooting indoor a lot but uh most of the time i end up shooting with my 3d setup just so i can get a lot of reps in with that and know that you know come that first pro am foley or what might what it might be i'm ready to go well, as, like I say, the the reason I asked you that for all background you don't know, we'll get Ty. We'll get into your three D background a little bit, but he's he's a very accomplished yardage judger. So I just figured your three D bow was probably pretty stout and also pretty quick. So I didn't know if going into indoor season you were planning on something a little more you know forgiving on the shoulder, or if you just wanted to hammer out hammer out reps at seventy two pounds with the full rig. Oh man, to be honest with you, I, uh, this, this past indoor season, that's exactly what I did. And I went into it fully with the, with the intentions of just building muscles. And so I started out and I shot the whole indoor season and man, I, I pounded out quite a few 60. I'm not a, I, it seems like I've got a, a pile of 59 X's six foot tall, um, five spot papers and just a few sixties. But I've, uh, I pounded out a fair number of 60 X's with 72 pounds on my uh, my last year's bow the only difference is i switch over to my 27s just to slow it down and and make it a little more forgiving um for the you know 20 yard shooting but 
pretty much the same same setup as I shot all 3D season, you know, a 19,000 up pin with a six power lens. So pretty pretty standard for uh, for my 3D setup. Tell us about Isn't your... Uh, tell- is what Chris shot? Do what? Isn't that the same as Chris shot? Didn't he shoot like 70 pounds or something for his indoors last year? Yeah. It was it was early in the season and they were breaking out those bows, hear them creaking all the way back, and it's like, what is that? Seventy six pounds? They're like, it's only seventy three and a half. Snack crap will pop. Yes, you're in good uh, company there, Ty. <laughs> do what? I said you're in good company there. Yeah. No, I mean, if you shoot often, seventy pounds, especially on some of these newer bows, it's not a lot. I mean, it's it's uh, and I'm and I am a younger guy, so I, I take I know it probably won't shoot that forever, but seventy is you know pretty standard, and I and I shoot a bow every single day all year long, so it's not not that big a transition. Not like I'm breaking it out for the first time come January to shoot some paper. It's like oh, I've been shooting all all winter long, so I just I like to keep it close to what I'm going to shoot during the summer and just kind of make sure I feel the keep the the bow feeling the same way. So basically your idea for coming in fresh on 3d starting out is you've already shot all winter with that exact setup. Oh, yeah. Do you, do you do any tuning on the rest when you switch over to 27s or do you just shoot it exactly like your 3d arrows are coming out of that bow? Man, to be honest with you. And again, I, I, I do paper tune my bows, especially my hunting bows. But when it comes to an indoor setup, I kind of I listened to a, a interview with Rio while editing. Note: We lost Ty again, and we're going to pick up the podcast where Neil and I are just sitting and talking before Ty can get a good signal and get called back in. Here we go. Worst case is we'll get into uh, your setup. <laughs> they all know what I'm shooting. <clears throat> Oh, come on now. I'm sure you've changed it. Um, it's shooting too good to change. I mean, it's <clears throat> when it, it'll hold steady. It might be a little heavy or I might just be a little bit weak because I haven't been shooting the arrows I need to. But I know I can always lighten it up. Yeah, I, I'm with you exactly. I, I'm so happy with the way mine's shooting. Um, I gave myself the end of this month deadline because I knew leagues and everything would be kicking in. Um, and then I figured after the first night of the leagues will give me the only opportunity that I want to use to tweak or change. That's going to be it. But I took the weights off the bottom of my bow where I had it all on that one side and I actually put them on the front. I really liked that. I didn't think I would because with the PSE, I always had them off the bottom. And um, I put it to the front. Going on, I and I really, I really like the way the bow falls. Now there he is. Hey, Ty, you made it home. I apologize. I don't know. There's a storm blowing in, so I'm assuming the uh, the connection is just in and out. We we get yeah. that on yeah. on Dave's end too. There's exactly one telephone pole in Wellston, America, and when it gets knocked <laughs> out, they just they're just out of luck. Yeah. Well, I'm over here in like well, the, the carrier pigeons have to take a break. Oh, they're still around. Thought those all died off. Yeah. Tim Wells don't shot them all with his bow. 
Um, so let's see. Hop, hopping back into it. Rio Wild told you not to tune your indoor bow, minus a little knock high and some point weight. Right. I don't. And like I said, it uh, it isn't going to hurt nothing if it's kicking a little high at twenty yards because it's just twenty yards and it gives a little arrow a little bit of direction. But I uh, I don't get too up in arms about it. Now getting my three D set up. I make sure that thing's shooting bare shafts at, you know, 20, 25 yards if I can. And uh, I get a little more in depth with that. But once back, back to what I said earlier, you know, indoors more or less just reps and getting, uh, getting some shots in because indoor season for us, for the most part is, uh, you know, in the dead of winter when it's cold and no one wants to be outside for more than 15 minutes other than when they're hunting. What do you uh, What do you guys have up there for indoor? Do y'all do doing jackpots, doing league night over at Wagner's Archery Club? Wagner, they start up generally the first Thursday after deer season ends, conveniently. Um, sometimes the very last, but most of the time right after deer season ends, and it's just uh, it's just a league. They don't do any money or anything. It's a nonprofit organization, so that's pretty cool. Uh, no, but it's just it's more or less just to support a small club and. They've got a really nice indoor range there. It's all heated and air conditioned, so it's nice and comfy. It's like it's like a big family reunion after uh, after deer season. Everybody gets around to tell hunting stories and tell how their season went. Sir, per- per- perfect season, indoor season. Everybody's saying, "Well, at least we aren't cold, and at least it ain't snowing on us." And usually, yeah. somebody's bringing a somebody's bringing a stick of summer sausage. So, or some elk, yeah, some, something from the, that following falls. So I was pretty cool and some good stories. The one that got away stories. No, no, we don't tell. We don't. We don't tell those stories. We're we're skipping all them. <laughs> That's no good. We don't want that. Um, for your indoor eras, shooting um, victory twenty sevens. Yep, the uh, I'm actually doing old school. I'm rocking the the NVX 27s. I haven't quite switched over to the VTACs, but uh, I I do run the VTAC 25s for 3D. So, but those those old, old NVX mans, those are those are hard to beat as far as uh as far as an indoor. I think I'm running 250 in the point, 29 inches on the carbon to carbon, and a uh, an AAE uh, Max Stealth left helical with a pin knock. Left helical and pin knock. Yeah. Three knives. What's three, your four inch AAE? Three. I believe I believe they're the two sixes, should... if I remember. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. With a pretty strong left helical. So about as much as I could put on there to get that sucker spinning. <laughs> you was about to ask something. What was it? Oh, I was gonna ask Neil. I, I said, what is your uh talking get more back in the hunting scene what what's your hunting season been looking like have you been out yet yeah yeah i uh i took my target buck on the second after boogering him on the first <laughs> i watched him all all last year i didn't see him till january 2nd um shot underneath him broadside at 17 and a half 18 yards um picked my arrow up out of the dirt and i was missing a vein on it it made it all the way to where the arrow landed but it wasn't attached um could have hit a limb didn't there's it's in an open field there's no limbs so i think i shot an arrow with two veins on him missed him last year and he grew a couple kickers this year and um put an arrow in him on the two veins on him did you you just fall off when you shot it or what yeah it was some of those tack veins and 
I used the applicator pin and the right glue and everybody said, don't worry about it. And it didn't, it didn't make it to, didn't make it to January 2nd attached to my arrow. Um, so that was it. My mistake. I got some, uh, I got some Q2 eyes on my hunting arrows now and they're, they're blowing through deer left and right. So it's, it's been a good year so far. Um, I got another one I'm looking at. He, he might get a, he might get a pass until next year. So until something crazy shows up for the rut, you're the first cold front might just be shooting does and watching football. So, yeah, um, you know, got, got, just got lucky and got it done early. This is kind of how it, how it, when they're still on the summer patterns, they come into the corn at six thirty-eight every night on the dot. You just put a pattern with the wind and 38 yards down, down range. And that was all she wrote. Um, so it's, it, it's been good right now. I'm just trying to trying to get into indoor gear. I was doing a little bit of blank bailing earlier. Um, and I mean a little bit of blank bailing. I think about 24, 25 arrows was as much as I could make myself sit there and shoot at four yards. Um, I'll get to go, I'll get to go fling an arrow tomorrow, um, on my way back from work, but yeah, looking at trail cams every three hours, religiously, like a every fiend. three hours, I can barely make it 15 minutes. Well, they only upload every three hours, and it's because I've heard people say that they won't they won't capture a, fi- a photo while they're uploading. So I was going to do it once a day to save battery, but I don't want it to be uploading any longer than possible. So I put what it kind at of, the uh, trail cameras. Are you running Moultrie's Moultrie mobiles? Yeah, I like I, them real well. I've never ran those. I've ran the stealth cams with decent luck but i've uh i've got a bunch of those tacticams i think that's kind of what everybody has but i think i've got nine or ten of them now and those are sent right to my phone so that's that's worse than playing video games you got to get on there and check or worse than facebook you got to get on there and check your trail cameras every 15 20 minutes especially when the weather's good because you never know yeah this uh this big eight i'm chasing right now uh he was in there friday night late Saturday morning early, Saturday morning in the daylight, Saturday evening in the daylight, and late Saturday night. So I'll, I drove up the turnpike two hours and set all day Sunday, and he no-showed on me bigger and bigger and day. Got stood up at the prom by him. So, you know, that's just this time of year. You, you, know, you just don't know what they're doing. Um, you get all those pictures on your phone, and you drive up the road and say, it's going to be it. He's going to be there. And that's just not what they had in had in mind that day. Yeah. And I I – being in an archery shop all day, I hear stories like that all the time. And I, it seems like everybody's willing to flip out a picture and show you the buck they're chasing. And everybody's definition of a trophy is a little different. Um, mm-hmm. and I'm, I, if, if that makes you happy to shoot a doe or a fawn or a giant buck, whatever gets it going for you, that's fine by me. I don't care. But uh, I, I do say this. Don't, don't rely on the trail cameras too much because they're only gathering a small you know, a fraction of what's going on out there. So be smart, hunt the wind, but don't, don't sit on the couch and waste perfectly good days in November just because nothing's walking by that 10 yard spot in front of your camera. And I've been, I've been a victim to that many a times, not wanting to go because there's not much going on, but sometimes you just go, you know, stuff happens, especially when the, the time of the year is right. It, it, it really is like that. You, you realize you're doing more hunting through your, your trail cam pictures than actually time in the woods. And that's, that's never been, I don't think I've only run ca- cameras two years now. So before it was just, you know, sit there and wait, see what shows up, run an air through it. And hopefully we're tracking in the daylight instead of night. And now I'm more, 
worried about, you know, educating the deer and wanting to keep the scent control to, uh, you know, keep the, keep the scent contamination down and doing, doing stuff by the book, but definitely spending less time in the woods. And it's, a uh, it's a little, it's a little different vibe, but I hunt two hours away from where I live. So I gotta, you know, if, if I'm going to spend the time on the road, I'm going to make sure it's, a uh, hopefully worthwhile. So I'm looking forward to this cold front coming in. Yeah. I've been, I've been blessed in the, in the fact that I can walk right behind the house and be, you know, be hunting within 80, 90 yards. And that's been always a, a good thing, but that's something, something too. just, you know, not hunting over hunting a spot, but hunting it smart and hunting the wind and stuff and just spending time in the woods. Cause regardless if it kills something, you know, that's the end goal, obviously while you're out there, but just spending time in the woods is very peaceful. So but I would, I would make that drive often if I, if I had to even just sit out there and watch deer. Cause I, I know, I know I'll go crazy if I don't be in the woods this time of year. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, is it, is it good seeing all the hero stories coming into the shop or is it kind of sad knowing that you're not, that you're in the shop and not in the woods? Both. I, uh, I, I, I I'm human. So I do get jealous listening to all the guys saying, well, I got my target buck, you know, this afternoon or kill an elk or this that i mean that's it does get me kind of like want to get out there and be in the woods but part of my success is seeing other guys be successful and the fact that they were able to take what a you know a tune i gave them or a setup and they walk out there and kill a big bull elk or a mule deer what have you and and uh being part of that in a sense is really accomplishing feeling to me so that's why i like posting my pictures of customers who killed killed stuff over the fall and you know they're out of state hunts and i'm I'm genuinely just as happy for them as probably they are for uh, getting the animal, but with le- all the less work, I don't have to get out there and help them pack it out. <laughs> I did the easy part. I, with I that in mind, food. yeah, with that in mind and everything, um, let's let's just do a pretend customer here real quick. Let's say someone comes up and a cousin, an uncle, or something they have hunted in the past. How do you go through uh, a checklist on what to get? What bow would you start with? Um, what What's your go-to on something like that? Because, you know, I bet you've had about 100 of those in the last two weeks. Oh, if not the last two days, yeah. Are you talking about like <laughs> if somebody walks in wanting to buy a new bow or what? Yeah, just, hey, get me set up. I want to go hunting um, because I get to hunt more often than the than the 10 days of gun season. Yeah, I get that a lot. And this time of year, a lot of, a lot of the sales are crossbows and it really just first off, you know, and, and I try to be as, is, you know, unintrusive by asking this question because everybody has a different financial situation, what they're in as far as what they can afford. And you don't have to, and I'll tell people that I'm not out to sell you a 16, $1,800 bow to go kill a deer at 15 yards because you don't need that. But it's just the same as I could go to Walmart and buy a rifle for 300 bucks or go kill a, you know, buy a rifle for 4,000 and kill a deer with it. They're, they both do the same thing. It's just really depending on what you're looking for. So I would probably start with that, um, kind of see if they have any brand bias, you know, because some people do. Neil, Hoyt, <laughs> you know, some, some people, you know, and I don't, I'm not brand biased or anything. If you walk in and, you say, hey, man, all I want to shoot is a Matthews or all I want to shoot is a Bowtech or vice versa. I'm not going to push the other brand on you. I will gently suggest, hey, you should try them all 
for sure because every bow it feels a different in the hand and every bow cycles the poundage differently you know at different draw lengths so it's it's really just a matter of seeing what fits you the best and then we go from there and uh kind of pick out the bow that fits them the best and their price range and figure out what accessories they want to go with and you know arrow spine and just generally get them tuned up i paper tune every bow that walks out of the door um you know make sure that they shoot it through the paper and uh it's shooting straight because I, I can't it's it's really frustrating when somebody walks in and their bow hasn't been paper tuned or you know they uh their broadheads are flying janky and a lot of it just comes down to a simple rest adjustment or something like that but it's a lot that goes into it. Um, I, I really enjoy that part of it and just fitting somebody a bow and seeing that gratification when they can sit there and shoot a, you know, a, an inch group at 20 yards and they're just like blown away that that's even possible. I'm like, it's a lot of it comes down just to the setup being done correctly because uh, a lot of guys will fight their bows for years and years and never realizing that paper tuning or cam timing or, you know, the right arrow spine is a thing. It's, you know, it's it's a conglomerate of a lot of different things. Well, I was just it's, curious. I figured there was a, yeah. a lot, a lot of the sideshow stuff that folks don't think about. But man, it's just your common everyday practice for, yeah. for you and, shop owners. And yeah. that's something I ask, and I ask too. I'll go. Well, what are you hunting? Like, what 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 is your what is your end goal? Are you setting up a bow as a western bow? Like, hey. Because there's a lot of my customers that literally that's all they only they only hunt out west and they might climb in a tree stand and shoot a whitetail or try to hunt a whitetail maybe three or four times throughout the fall. Like their their whole goal as a bow hunter is every weekend I get, I'm going to be traveling to Colorado during the season or heck, I got a customer, I won't name names, but dear friend of mine, he spends the whole month of September in Idaho every year. Like, that's just what he does. He doesn't hardly deer hunt at all, but, man, it comes down to elk hunting. That's that's his uh, cream of the crop. So I'll ask, you know, hey, are you elk hunting, are you mule deer hunting, or are you just going to be sitting in a blind in a tree stand waiting on a whitetail? And that'll help us decide uh, what size of bow they'll end up with because, obviously, if you're going to be taking longer shots, I'm going to set you up or try to in a longer axle axle bow. Um, I, I really am a big believer in sidebars and making sure the bow's balanced. To me, that's a, that's a really big thing. So, And uh, if they're wanting to set up in a tree stand and kill whitetail, then we might go the shorter route and more compact. That's that's a question I ask a lot. And even even for guys that are just, you know, hunting with a, hunting whitetail and hunting close to home, I still suggest a longer bow. It's just so much more forgiving. And I, I'm sure all of us being target archers could agree with that. You know, 29 instead of 33 instead of 29. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, I I don't, I, I didn't get along with my most recent 40, but 30, 36 and over. Yeah, you, you, you scrunch down to that 34. It's like, man, where's the steering wheel on this thing? It yeah, just didn't, sure. it, it's not the same string angle. It's not the same shot cycle. It's just a little yeah. bit of a kind of, kind of strange, but you, you want to at least put the time in to make yourself comfortable and familiar with the hunting bow. It's like, all right, how many, how many arrows do I got to shoot this thing for before I can, put it up for the year and call it good and, you know, carry it to the woods every day and have faith in it. It's like, whoop, haven't, haven't shot it since about October 2nd when I shot that deer. So yeah, yeah. I assume everything's still good three weeks later. Yeah. I, I don't today, really know. I, but And that's something too, you know, people hear 34, 35 inches on a hunting bow. 
these days and they're going, Oh, that's terribly long. I, that's, that's too big for me to hunt with. I'm like, have you walked, when's the last time you walked in and even the older guys too, you know, that have been bow hunting for 25 years, they'll go, I'm like, remember, remember like the old Hoyt ultra techs, those things are like 44 inches long. That's crazy. So, I mean, 33 is not a big bow in today's standards, but it, it's been kind of drawn that way just because of, uh, these still 27s and 28s and 30 inch bows that every one of these companies is putting out. So I remember that walking YouTube. through, uh, we, we were at the Vegas shoot the first year, my wife and I, and we've been married like less than 24 hours and we're walking <laughs> through the, uh, we're walking through the craft show and she's like, Oh babe, look at those bows are super cool. You need one of those. I look up and she's pointing at the gear heads. Oh it's like God. 23 and a half inch axle to axle. I'm like, Oh, I need an annulment. I needed. I don't think I can get it. I need an annulment. It's what I need. Hey, but uh, if you want a big tournament with those things, though, you were you were getting a hefty payday there for a while. Could, you see the? Could, do you see the contingency checks? Some of them were like thirty thousand dollars for winning a tournament with those suckers. Well, I, I guess if I was a betting man, ooh. I don't know. I didn't. I, I wasn't aware that it was that that far up there. But no, it was not it's high, man. Yeah, but you'd have to have like seven stabilizers coming off them suckers to keep them still at twenty-two inch yeah. axle. axle. <laughs> Can you imagine a twenty-two inch axle with me and a thirty-three inch draw? Yeah, your string <laughs> angle would be like, oh my gosh, an acute angle. <laughs> yeah, it would well, be I don't, crazy. I don't see. I I think the peep sight would have to be too far up. It'd be caught in the cam when it was going around. To yeah. get that peep away from your anchor point, yeah. I just it's it's more it looks like it's more of a slingshot. It's like a beanie flip instead yeah, of a instead of an actual bow. They're really cool for the hunting stuff, but I just even even on the hunting side, I just can't get my head wrapped around shooting a uh, that short a bow just because of the string angle and the. I mean, they are forgiving in a sense, but I just I, I'm really easy to tweak one. You know, four to six inches right or left because of how tiny they are. Um, and, uh, you know, that's the difference between double long and a gut shot. And we all know how, how that ends up if you pull that on a deer. That's quarter, I was, do, you have, or something. do you have anybody ever come in with one of those older Oneida bows? Absolutely. All the time. Um, that is, I work on everything A to Z. And to be honest with you, that is one of the things I try not to, uh, there, I, I can replace them and I know how to work on them. It's just. The, uh, some of them things, man, have been just abused and put away wet and just rode hard. You know what I mean? Like, cause a lot of them are used for bow fishing and the gears will be all grease or, you know, grimy in them. And I've seen them just explode the, the steel cables and stuff. So, but I, I do see a lot of the screaming Eagles and the, the Tomcats and a lot of those older models. Yeah. I was but. just wondering, I've seen them a lot, like you said, in the bow fishing world and Mm-hmm. Man, they were, they are the, they, the thing for that, that and some of them older high countries, um, I think it was with the, the hatchet cams. The, yeah. 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 Yep. I think they you were know, the Supremes is the one. Yeah. The I've worked at this point in time, I've worked on a lot of, a lot of both people haven't even heard it, heard of, uh, the Indian or the red man, I think is what it was called. There was a guy that used to make them in Sepulpa years ago. Um, the, yep. uh, see a few of those floating around i've got an old longbow in my shop right now that said it was made in tulsa oklahoma and i can't figure out i'm trying to get more information on it so i've been 
trying to figure out who made that, but uh, no, but yeah, just the old Oneidas, you see those. My dad killed one, uh, killed a deer with his or first deer ever 35 odd years ago with Oneida. And uh, he said his biggest problem with that thing is he would forget and slap his inside of his leg with a limb. Because if anybody's ever seen an Oneida and knows how they work, the limbs mm -hmm. are pretty much straight up and down to perfectly parallel. And if you ain't paying attention, them suckers, man, they're going to whack you. And so he, his trick was he would draw his bow back and put the, the limb of it in, the, in his boot. And that's how he was holding it back at full draw for so long, kind of like a draw lock. So when he could wait on the deer to, uh, to you know, clear out and make for wait for a shot. <laughs> I've shot an yeah, entire indoor of... round with one of those right next to me on the line. And it was one of those, like you're talking about, that's been used for bow fishing in the last 15 years. Because yeah. this thing sounded like a small explosion, 60 air, every arrow for Ow. 60 arrows. Ow. Every time. Over and over. Talk about yeah. being in the you got You got to be in the zone. You got to be living in it because that that creaking snapping slamming sound next to you is pretty uh ooh, yeah it's not a yeah. not they, a fan uh, they're pretty dang heavy too they're uh i mean you could if you if you lose your boat anchor you can just tie your rope onto one of them and chunk it down the water and you'd probably keep you seated pretty still because they're uh <laughs> they're pretty dang heavy nine ten pounds seems like on some of them mm. i spent a little time for work up in the new england area and a big bow up there was they had a lot of Yorks and XIs. Yeah, I've heard of the Yorks. And you don't before. see any of them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, there I feel like some of the brands now that you know we we've known in the last 15, 20 years are probably gonna be relics in the in the future, kind of like Pearson. I, I think Pearson went out of business a few years ago and it's gonna be uh ones that we uh remember and talk about like you know, 25, 30 years from now. It's pretty crazy. Parker. Parker for sure. That's that's one that's gone. But uh anyway. What's Alpine, the uh that's another one? Do what? I said Alpine, that's another one. Alpine, yep. Jim Shockey yep. pushed those for a long time. Seen uh seen a lot of Alpines out there. They got them real funky grips too, like they're almost sideways. Um pretty uh pretty gnarly looking bows. I say, what's the trick when you get these kids in here that are John Dudley YouTube heroes and going to shoot the tack? And how do you how do you corral them away from buying both UV releases and uh, you know trying to deck <laughs> these? How do you get them? Because I've I've met a lot of them that have been into your shop at some of the you know I met some at Wagner's State Unmarked Shoot. I've shot a couple of ASAs with a couple of them. Um, you know, I have to name names, but. Yeah. I, I see them with pretty pretty new bows with some pretty decent accessories on them. And they're like, you know, they're like, yeah, you know, Ty set me up. And he said, once I get used to this, come back and, you know, upgrade the site later. And, you know, it's like they're real gung-ho about it. But I see so many of these kids that just want to go spend three, dollars $4,000 on a setup and get to the end of the road. And they're like, well, I just can't shoot. Like, yeah. how do you what – is, what is the Jedi mind trick to getting these kids to actually listen to you and practice instead of purchase? Man, I, I, you can, you can, you can't, it's like guys searching for the right club. You can't, you can only buy so many golf clubs and it ain't going to make you a better player. Um, uh, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of followers out there. And I try to, that's, that's where I start is, you know, be your own person. It's cool to have a, an idol or somebody you look up to, but, uh, don't, don't be a complete follower and just buy everything that, 
you know, they sell because it's, they say it's the best. A lot of these people are being paid to tell you that their, their products are better than the next guys, but man, just putting in, putting in the work and actually becoming better at fundamentals. Um, you know, I guess what you're, are you asking like how they, how to become better archers or why are they, why they're buying just everybody that tells them what to buy on YouTube? Yeah, well, as opposed to some of the some of the other shops, like I know you got one up in Tulsa that just kind of wants to sell you and get you out the door, and we got oh, one like that down down here in the city. Where do you where do you draw the line between? Yeah, he wants to buy a new hinge or he wants to buy a new thumb button, but his problem is he has target panic and punches it, and he just needs, you know, he needs a a, a twenty five or fifty dollar half hour lesson instead of six hundred dollars worth of gear. Just like, be transparent with people. Don't try to feed them a line of BS because you know being honest will get you a lot further in life and any with anything than trying to tell lies and whatnot and i'm really really good at picking apart people's form and i that's kind of what i find joy is like sitting there going here's what you're doing wrong here's what you can do right that to me that 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 brings me happiness and like being able to help them correct it and so if somebody walks in and they they've got the new ultra view hinge or thumb button or whatever and they're just way laying it or dumping the crap out of it i'm gonna point it out and say hey man you know i know you just bought that because you're trying to cure something but would you want me to help you and if if they're open for instruction man i'll i'll take out time out of my day and and you know set aside and help them work through it but it's a it's a work in progress you can you can't master archery overnight or within one lesson you can get better you can definitely tighten up your groups but it's a uh, it's a mindset that you have to just work at and stay in. And I find myself even shooting target archery, you know, lagging mid season, kind of getting in a rut of just the same thing. We're doing the same thing. Oh, and sometimes you got to just stop for a little bit or pick up a different bow, shoot a recurve, shoot a longbow, you know, whatever, just do something different just to try to keep that fire lit because you got to, you got to constantly want success and, and chase after it. I think you get a lot more out of the preaching the preaching the fundamentals to people instead of just selling them something. And you know that person's gonna not only have confidence in themselves, like, hey, I didn't buy something to fix this. I changed yeah. I changed a habit, I changed yeah. a fundamental, I changed something form based, and now they're throwing they're you know, they're destroying arrows at twenty yards. And it's like you gotta flip that target over and get off that single spot because this is gonna <laughs> get expensive real quick. Yeah. I just I see a lot of people that are you know, new to beginners to turn it into intermediate archers that it seems like are all coming out of your shop that are, they have like a, uh, I don't want to say like a, a wisdom beyond their years, but it's, it's, it's almost like the, the marketing didn't get to them. They're just like, yeah, I'm just, you know, trying to, trying to shoot this hinge real smooth and, you know, took the click out, put the click back in, yeah. the, you know, the changing, changing things in the shot sequence that really can make you better. What mm-hmm. as I say? Well, side note: What what hinge are you shooting this year, man? If you've known me and you've seen me around the 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 Oklahoma scene, you've always known that I've shot a Scott Longhorn. Whether that be my old trusty red that we'll just say is in a better place now, and uh, now I've got the uh, stainless Longhorn that uh, I've had for probably going on seven eight years now. But uh, yeah, that's that's always been my go to. I. I started out like a lot of other people with the wrist rocket, you know, 12, 13, 14, well, been 14, 15 years ago. Now it seems like I get time gets away from me. Um, and, uh, gradually transitioned over to a thumb button. I shot the boss X 
from True Ball. If anybody remembers that, that old that old boy was a was a good release. And then uh, shortly after, went to a Scott Longhorn, and I've been shooting one ever since for hunting, 3D, indoor, everything. So same amount of travel in different different genres, or same release all the time. Same release all the time. I know that's kind of a, a slippery slope. Some people like to run a lot more movement for indoor and then a lot less for 3d. I, I have a problem with becoming stagnant in my shot and just aiming. Cause I like to aim. I like to put the pin right in the middle <laughs> and just sit there and look at it. So I try to set my release fairly heavy and just keep a lot of movement and never stop moving and always t- keep on my mind on the shot instead of uh, the pin. So pretty, a pretty, heavy release now when i first started out it wasn't that way i first started out it was pretty dang light where i'd I'd take my thumb off that safety peg and it was just gone and i and i want a lot of tournaments like that but you know it eventually it'll catch up with you and start creep target panic starts creeping in so i've just gradually set it heavier and heavier where i've got to put a lot of movement in there to get it to fire and it just keeps me engaged in my shot I'd, I'd say that's that's pretty much how I run mine. I've been running the same hinge for three years. Um, very cold. My favorite thing to do is let Bryn try to shoot it and watch him pass out standing up because yeah, he's out there. Yeah, a lot of people hold their breath and they hold their breath when they're shooting and uh, or and wait for that click. And I don't shoot a click at all. I can't get my head wrapped around. I'm the I'm that type of person. I don't know if it's type A or type B, but when I hear that little pop go off, I just want to throw the bow and run. I can't, my, I don't, my brain don't work that way. <laughs> um, I've been shooting the goat, um, as a button Yeah, and I've got something going on inside mine, but I don't, I don't want to mess with it as I put it on the hook or I mean the, the hook on and sometimes coming back, it'll click. I mean, mm-hmm. I've got it that light that it's clicking without a back tension. I'm using oh, it Lord. as a thumb. Yeah. Oh man, I'm telling it, but I sure don't want to mess with it right now. It's working good. <laughs> Speaking of releases, that's something that you're talking about helping people in the archery shop and getting them set up better. That's a that's a lot of what I do is is helping people decide what releases they go with. And I'm I'm putting a lot of people now into hinge releases for hunting. And uh it's it's starting to make a big sweep out there because people are realizing the benefits of you know, staying engaged in the shot and slowing down. And I feel like it'll, I feel like in the future, it'll aid in a lot less gut shot deer because of a little bit of target panic creeping in. If they can learn how to operate it correctly under pressure. Um, I'm right there with you. I I switched over and hunted with it first, first year in the woods with the hinge and Mm -hmm. I drew drew back on the biggest deer I'd ever would have ever taken, you know, shot of a lifetime, more pressure than anything and got in there, let it settle as much as it was gonna. And just, just like shooting paper at 20 yards, you know, we're, we're twice Mm -hmm. the distance on a live moving animal. And this pin is shaking like you've never seen before. And I told myself, I was like, I'm going to have to pull on this thing at some point. We can't just stay here forever. And yep. she, she broke and down he went. So, so I mean, that's what was my next question to you. I guess you kind of answered it for me. You remember actually pulling on it. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I remember getting in. I remember getting in the peep. I remember checking it. I remember thinking for uh, he's 38, 39 yards. So red pins, 40, I shoot a 20, 30, 40, 50, no slider. I ain't, <laughs> if oh! it's, yeah, it's I'm I'm old school. I'm old school. It was actually a five pin, and I pulled the fifth one out of there because it's a little slow, and yeah. I really don't have I really don't have a sixty yard lane anywhere. Um, yeah. I like to I like to be close enough I can hear their eyelashes blink. 
So yeah, I, I, I was at full draw on, on the hinge, thumb off the peg, pins about where it needs to be as much as I could put it. And it's like, okay, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to roll, you know, Bodie Turner, roll, 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 don't stop, don't stop. And that's that's kind of how she went. But I, it, it could it might as well have been a five spot at twenty yards because it's the yeah. same same mentality. Don't ever stop. Don't get stagnant. Um, I don't shoot a I don't shoot a click in mine either. It just I think it. I, I don't want to know when it's going to go off. I'm going to just stare where it goes and I'm going to just execute. And it's, I guess that's the way my small brain works the best. I just no, don't, don't question anything. Perfect mindset. Yeah. Yeah. You keep playing. And uh, last year I, I took one of the bigger deer that I've killed in my life. Um, at 62 yards with my bow. And, uh, honestly, I can, I will, I tell this pe- people on a daily, I'm like, they go, well, that's a, that's a hell Mary. I'm like, no, I was confident in my equipment. I knew that I could shoot that far and everything was right. The deer was standing still, you know, he was calm, head up, you know, just feeding, just, you know, looking around, just not chilling. And, uh, I tell him like, man, if I would have had a wrist rocket or a thumb button, I dang sure would have shot six foot over that deer's back (laughs) with, without a doubt. But that's exactly what I did. I hooked that, I hooked that longhorn on and I just pulled and pulled and pulled and pulled. And it felt like an eternity to get that thing to fire. But the moment it did, man, I knew I knew it was good. It was right there. There was no questioning it whatsoever. So that's that's why I shoot one, just just for reasons like that. And you shoot one long enough, you learn how to roll through it a little faster if you need to shoot something's moving. But that just comes with time under the release and shooting it a lot. You can always you can always close your fist and 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 squeeze your shoulders together and it'll it'll break. But dump it. Dump it. <laughs> We've all done it at one point in time. When I was when I was shooting the hinge and everything, the best advice, you know, I was asking everybody everything on um, how to do it, how to make it, because I went from the wrist rocket straight yeah. to a hinge because of target panic. Right. And a good friend of mine from years ago ran shops himself and everything. He's getting back into archery now. His name's Rick Archer, lives out in yep. western Oklahoma. Yeah, I met Rick. You know, Rick, okay. The best advice he ever gave me was anytime you freeze up and can't make it go off, mm-hmm. take it up and tighten it up just a little bit more. Eighth of a turn, quarter of a turn, make it that much colder. He said, and instead of going hotter with it, he said, make it colder. He says, and yeah. then get back on it again. And, you know, it's just that. It's kind of like on a site, one click, two click, one click. It's just that some, it's just that middle thing that, okay, I got to get after this now. And that was the best thing I ever did was listen to him on that. Yeah. That's all archery is, is just a big mental, a mental feat. And whether that be, you know, trying to put together that last five arrows on a five spot after 12 or 11 ends of perfection <laughs> or trying to get that first arrow off during scoring. This is your first scoring end or just waiting in a waiting in a stand, you know, eight, nine hours at a time, you know, sometimes full sets trying to get a deer to walk by. It's, it's just an all it's a mental it's a mental game. And that's what I preach all the time is just good mental fortitude. And I'm a hypocrite for saying that because I've been on the, the receiving end, the losing end of that. So, it's some, you know, we're all human. We all have our ups and our downs. I think a big part of the mental is on the hinge versus button. And I've got a buddy. We're going to let him remain nameless. Yeah. He shoots a hinge fantastically. 
but his scores with a button on a Vegas, I mean, he goes from low 90s, mid 90s with a hinge to upper mid 90s with a button. And it's he's he's getting there. He's coming up on these 300s. I mean, I see him posting them all the time and he'll he'll, he'll shoot the hinge to uh, keep himself honest and then he'll go score with the button. You know, yeah. and it's like it's a it's a training aid tool, and I'm saying, yeah. man, you're you're rolling that interest forward, and the bills always do. Yeah. Um, for for me personally, from a mental standpoint, I'm okay with letting that pin float and that shot breaks when it breaks. It, you just got to do, you got to stare, yeah. and you got to execute. And yeah. I'm and I'll live with that. Not it might be a nine, it might be an eight. I might shoot a whole game of twenty nine and zeros on a Vegas face, you know, just yeah. part of it. But that one arrow that I collapse and hammer that trigger, it just, or, I mean, done it on deer, done it on antelope, almost did it on a bear, double clutched one on a bear one time. You know, it's yeah. always, I just, I, I can't let that one sit with me quite as much as I can missing with a hinge. And that's a, a backwards way of looking at it. It's kind of inside out, you know, you don't plan on the shots you're not going to make, but when I'm, when I don't execute, I like it better with the hinge than when I don't execute with the button. And that's, it, it worked out in the woods for me. I've made, I made a shot under pressure that, you know, 40 yards, uh, from a tripod ways out of whitetail. That's it. It, it, it was, it was definitely a poke and it was not the most, uh, still setting pin that I've ever, I've ever wiggled a shot off on. It was there, there's some movement there. Um, but he's he he's he's not getting any older, so we we got through that one. Um, and I, he find that same thing. I'm shooting indoor the other day. Shot a, the last practice in. I was going to shoot two practice ins and go straight into scoring. Shot a thirty and three, middle middled them. Get up there and start scoring and shoot a twenty eight and zero. Just mm-hmm. two nines and just can't pull up like it like it makes a difference. You know, it takes it takes exactly that long to deviate from your shot process and it's like man you can't you can't just turn it on like a switch and have it be there it's like oh first in for score better not miss and then all of a sudden i'm not rolling through this hinge i'm just i'm ducking and diving and bobbing and weaving yeah i uh i i I agree with people like gillingham that you know there is not a more accurate way to shoot a bow than punching the trigger but that's you ride the lightning man like all of a sudden it might just get away from you so I would rather my my bad shots be not be not as bad with a hinge than uh than be really 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 bad with a thumb button or a wrist rocket, <laughs> and especially in the woods, you know, because so if you get locked off target with a with a wrist rocket and you're aiming at a 180 inch deer at 15 yards, that's just heartbreaking to me. I'd rather I'd rather be wiggling the pin all over his lungs than be hung up three inches below him and have to swing up and punch it all at once. So. I, I know what you mean. When, when's the last time you shot any kind of arrow in competition with a button? Seven, eight years? Um, it's been a while. <laughs> I think uh, I think the last time I did was actually last year, but it was just as a joke because Frank Welch was like, you don't ever shoot nothing but that hinge. And so I grabbed up his, his Mybo release. I, remember, I think that's the brand. And I shot a few arrows with it, and I threw it back at him. I said, nope. That's all. That's all you get for the next five or six years, maybe more. But yeah, probably, probably since I was on like senior eagle, <laughs> legitimately. <laughs> okay. So, so you uh, you grew up shooting the ASA. Was it uh, back then? Was it open B? Were you half half known, half judging? Or open yeah, A? My three D, my three D uh, started actually. We traveled around 
you talk about hunting bears. I had quite a bit of experience hunting bears when we lived in Canada, but the, uh, no, my 3d started shooting the pop-ups. If anybody's ever watched the old real tree videos from, uh, like the early two thousands, mid nineties, early two thousands, that guy, Jerry, that used to put on the, the 3d pop-ups, he used to travel around to the sport shows we were at. And I, and I shot all his uh, pop-up tournaments and that was super fun. I remember I got up there one time and as a, an 11 year old kid, I got up there and I tied this dude and they're like, man, that's crazy. You're, you're, and he looks at me, he goes, you're a puncher just like me. And, uh, I was like, well, I don't know I'm doing it right, but it's just how I shoot. And that guy was Chris Brackett. Um, I, we shot Chris shot with him three or four times in that pop-up stuff. And I didn't know who he was. It was just some other dude at the time that I was up there tying him and shooting just, just with him. But, um, I started out in senior Eagle and I think 2011, 12, something like that. And then kind of worked my way up youth boys. That was fun. And, uh, from there, right at 15, I was, I showed me up to open B and I, or my dad did. He said, that's where you need to be. You're, you're competing on a men's level. So you need to do it. And, uh, that year I got, got second in the, uh, the overall shooter of the year on the national level. I was a pretty good margin away from everybody else, but there was just one kid, one guy that kid, he was a couple older year older than me at the time that ran away with it by about 150 points. So no one was catching him anyway. So it was a race for second place for sure. But, uh, that was my big mark on the map. There is winning that. And that got me a lot of traction and, I, uh, I got away from the judging game quite a bit there for a few years and then shot known pro for a couple years. That was fun. I held my own in known pro, um, got a couple paychecks, paychecks there, but man, you shoot 30 up and known pro or 30, 38 up, I think was my best score. That ain't even hardly breaking top 20 anymore. It's, it's unbelievable how, how good those guys are. Stefan Hansen, I shot with him. Um, my first, my first pro shoot ever i shot with stefan hansen justin hannah and jacob marlowe on the first day and we had all tied at 20 up and i think we were like the fifth or sixth peer group back from the lead i think gillingham had shot 34 up that day <laughs> it's hard to keep up man um but yeah then i got back to the judging the last couple of years and that's been a fun fun road I, I that's what i was missing from 3d is just the guessing game and i really enjoy that part of it more, just as much as I do shooting a bow. So how we've uh, talked about bows? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Dave. I say we've talked about bows. We've talked mm-hmm. about your arrows. We talked mm-hmm. about your releases. We haven't got your theory on stabilization and oh. your bar setup. Yeah, we're just we're just going roundabout. We're not nothing's in order, but we'll get it all covered eventually. <laughs> stabilization. <laughs> I am not a super heavy stabilizer guy, nor am I a super light stabilizer guy. I kind of find myself somewhere in the middle. I, uh, the best stabilizer setup I ever ran in the year I was on open B, you're going to laugh, but I was running a 24 inch bar on a chill X Matthews chill X on the front with two ounces. (laughs) And on the back, I was running all of six ounces on a 12 inch bar. And I, I kicked some butt with that bow. That bow was lighter than any other bow I've ran, but I didn't know any better. And gradually following the crowd, I've got heavier and heavier. And at one point in time, I was running, you know, 15, 18 ounces on the front and 30 on the back. But I find myself a lot in like the eight or nine ounce range on the front with a 30 inch bar 
and like 15 to 18 ounces on the back with a 15 or a 12, depending on what bow I'm shooting and how much front weight it has. A lot of the a lot of the bows are super top heavy, so you need a bigger stack back stabilizer to to counteract that. Yeah, uh, definitely, definitely gone about about a one to two ratio the last couple mm-hmm. of setups, but um, they're all they all have that sweet spot <coughs> that you kind of have to. I mean, it's a yeah. it's a bow to bow thing, and it's a how strong are you? How many arrows are you shooting? What's yeah. your shot process look like? Um, yeah, I got an indoor bow that balances perfect right now. I'm just not strong enough to shoot it, <laughs> and I'm yeah. not. You got to man I'm, up and and. Yeah. Take them, take, pump them numbers up, bro. So gotta get that, gotta get that air account where it needs to be. But, uh, yeah. we're, we're in deer, what's deer killing season. We don't have no indoor to worry about. There's nothing. Yeah, it's getting close. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Dave. Dave's ready for indoor. Uh, I'm, oh I'm man, that's, that's, I didn't realize, I didn't re- realize that things went outdoors. Oh man, you, are you the one sitting inside when it's eighty or ninety degrees outside, still shooting indoor? Are you that guy? Absolutely. Oh man, that's me. Never wants to come outside and play with the big kids. Just wants to stay in there and air condition all summer long. <laughs> hey, yeah, I'm hey, old. Oh, oh, come on. Hey, all of us, uh, all of us guys, man, is the moment it hits above thirty-five degree or above freezing, I should say, above thirty-two, or outside out there shaking our shaking or chill or freezing our butts off shooting rubber deer like willing it to get I did warmer. all that back in the 90s <laughs> did all that back in the 90s and early 2000s um i got that out of my system i grew up i've learned it's a lot easier early season i'll shoot 3d in february and march but i'll pull arrows till june <laughs> those just, targets man, are stiff at 40 degrees i uh i love shooting I love shooting 3D, but man, when it gets to July or August, it's hard to get out there and sweat your butt off. Um, I had a, a real bad heat incident this year and got overheated and lost a, lost my strength and stuff. But I can remember I can remember shooting in or a 3D with Art Brown out of his house before he moved away from Tahlequah in a Jan- in January setting, and it was like 26 degrees and at noon. But it was like everybody got out there and was doing it because the first pro-am was like the next week. <laughs> and so we all like, we got to get out here and do this. I know the wind's blowing 25 miles an hour and it's 26 degrees and it's January, but it's 3d season. We got to do it. And so that was miserable, but <laughs> you got to do what you got to do to get them reps. I don't know that it does you any good aiming at a 3d target when your pin is bebopping across from the 14 to the neck, to the belly, um, up to the upper 12 and back and forth. And you end up just, punching it somewhere in the middle and hoping for the best <laughs> it can it can get you off of your shot sequence at the wrong time of year it, it really can if, if indoor yeah. season's going right into the crapper for you and you go outside and try to battle the elements and you're just not you're not there so my strategy this year is i'm just going to get good and stay good all year long yeah. is basically mm-hmm. i think because i remember out there shivering trying to get this hinge to go off and i just i wasn't pulling through it but man it was aiming good it was aiming good no arrows were going you know yeah they just, just couldn't just couldn't get them to go I feel like i spent the entire month of february at full draw and shot four arrows just couldn't yeah. couldn't pull through. No, I uh, I know I hated on indoor earlier a little while ago, but I'm this year I am going to put a valiant effort 
and I, I say that I've shot the Kansas City Pro-Am before up there and, uh, the, at that indoor complex and held my own. I was I was the only pro to shoot a legitimate 300 without dropping one of the nine, but they were scoring 11s. So I didn't shoot as high as some of the other guys, but I think I got like fourth or fifth at that tournament. But I've shot some indoor stuff with, you know, under pressure. And I like it, but it's hard for me. It's a different mindset because it's hard for me to go, I'm going to travel across the country where I could lose a tournament in the first arrow. Whereas with a 3D at a 3D shoot, I could travel and I can miss the first two targets and still come back and maybe win the tournament if I can judge well enough and put my mind back together. And that's kind of always See, good. That's why I like that's why I like the Lancaster style. Um, yes, with that 11s in there, it's it's not a you're not shooting to not miss, uh, right? Like in a Vegas <laughs> style. So that's that's why yeah. I really like that style. I really want to hit Lancaster. That's one of my bucket list shoots and money hasn't always been uh, a given. So that's kind of why I've always, I've had that mindset of uh, 3d instead over indoor because, you know, I, when I was younger, I was, if I was making money at a 3d tournament, it was definitely going back into the pot to pay for gas to go to the next one. That year in open B, I can remember going, Hey, we got to go to, we got to go to Fort Benning. We've got 480 bucks as the budget. And so we were eating beanie weenies and driving a, a car and camping out. And like, so going to a big indoor tournament and saying, well, I can lose on the first arrow was kind of always out of the question. I think that's why I took a path towards 3d over the indoor route instead. But I like the Lancaster format, the shoot up format. And that's a definitely a bucket list shoot that one Reading, And then of course, Vegas down the road, but in that order, Lancaster, Reading, then Vegas. I've never shot Vegas either. And that's strictly because when I got into shooting indoor more than anything else, I was in the senior class and they don't have a senior amateur class. Yeah. Um, and that just really frustrates me a lot. So yeah. I've, I've, I've officially protested it on my own behalf. <laughs> yeah. Well, there is a lot of classes, almost too many in a lot of these organizations. So, I, uh, but I, I agree. There's a place for everybody, but especially in the ASA, they need to condense some of them. Dave, what place did you come in in the Rumble when you shot the Senior Pro Division? Here we go. Uh oh, <laughs> we were top Austin. ten. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, there, we, there's we a place. There's a, there is a yeah. place for you, bud. <laughs> <laughs> I'll I say there's. So. They, they'll save you a spot over there with in between Tim and somebody else. Yeah, they'll, take, they they'll take your money. That's I, I it, think, right there. <laughs> I think Gillingham put it pretty good when he was talking about Vegas. It says that you sh they give you 90 tens, and you show up, and you have to not give any of them back. And that's the game they're playing. He's like, it's just not, you know. I, I, to me, I like the variety of 3D. It's every shot's got its own strategy, and it's yep. like, okay, what can I see? What can I aim at? How's the bow holding? Who's in the lower? Who's in the upper? Who's in the leg? You know, all that kind. Of, and sometimes you're shooting through trees. I know, not 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 my favorite part of it, but just the a little bit of variety in every in every target. It's like, okay, here's how. Yeah, here's how we're gonna approach this. <laughs> Yeah, on a different note, um, talking about 3D, that's and I and I, I I encourage you talking about people getting into it by means of coming to my shop and stuff. I encourage people to get out and shoot 3D 
and just shoot their bow in general at these tournaments because you can't mimic the pressure of shooting at a white-tailed deer or any animal at all, but you can definitely put pressure on yourself in other ways, you know, by your peers watching you or, you know, putting significance on an arrow like, hey, I bet you can't hit that, you know, 14 ring on that 40-yard coyote down there, you know, and center punch it. I'll be five bucks for that. You can put pressure on your way in that in that sense, but I, I it's hard to convey to a bow hunter, and I get this a lot. They'll, well, I'm just a bow hunter. I don't, I don't need to shoot 3D. I don't need to practice. I just kill deer. Practice is practice. It gets you out there and shooting your bow. But I, I love the strategy part about that. Just like what you said, getting out, estimating the distance is one thing for me. I love it. But being able to go, okay, well, this target here, it's a coyote. It's it's a long shot. It's a javelina or whatever. I don't need to be risky. I need to just get my 10 or get a good shot and move on to the next one. The strategy part of the game is where I find uh, joy. And I enjoy that a part a lot of it a lot. Just as much as I do looking for a deer or looking for acorns or f- trying to figure out where I'm going to put my tree stand. Right by the corn barrel, 18 yards, broadside every time. Easy. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I ain't too good to shoot a deer over corn. We're from Oklahoma. You be, If you ain't baiting, you'd be waiting. Yeah, that's kind of <laughs> how it goes. But, uh, I, I mean, I've got cameras right now where I've watched I've watched my target deer walk right by the corn the last three times. He's just – he's hitting care this time of year. They might no. – it's like, it's like McDonald's. It's like you drive by it every day. You might stop in and get you a McDouble or whatever, but you don't have to eat there every single day. I mean, they just kind of just cruise on by and maybe give her a look look at, but, you know, not nothing they're going to sit there and munch on corn, especially when the acorns start hitting the ground and being, what is the day, November 20, 25th or 4th or something like that? It's mm-hmm. going to be, uh, or September, October, I don't know where I'm, I'm a, I'm a month ahead of, uh, out of schedule, but they're going to be chasing does here pretty soon. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. I'm trying to let, I'm trying to get Dave to let me hunt his backyard. Hey, and that's got, another thing. Been, I ain't too good about shooting deer in urban areas. I've been working. You can ask people around me. I've been working on some urban spots pretty hardcore for the last three or four months up until season. And, you know, I'll be like that seek one guy shooting a 180 inch deer. And then the guy leaning out the backside of his window. Did you get him? Yeah. Yeah, I got him. <laughs> <laughs> Off his back porch, grilling burgers. Season 100%. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They, they, they live among us. It's not a, we're, we're, we're kind of in their territory and they're kind of in ours, you know, chicken and egg who came first, but I foresee yeah, it's white. I foresee deer hunting as a whole becoming more like that in the years to come with, uh, as many people are getting into archery and I'm, I'm kind of, I, I feed on both sides of the fence there because on one hand I make money from the people that are getting into bow hunting, but I also help take away people's you know hunting opportunities because of overpopulation of hunters and i don't really know that's a thing but the inflow of newbies is making good spots less and less and less and people getting out in the woods so i feel like urban deer hunting and development is going to be the kind of the way of the future in maybe 15 years or so yeah it doesn't take it doesn't take a lot you've got mature bucks to live their whole life on 10 10 to 15 acres they just they go to feed, they go to bed and back, back and forth. But yeah, you got, I mean, I, I see kids coming out of your shop 
that are showing up to state 3D championships that they've never shot before, and mm-hmm. they're just excited. They're excited to be there. They're like, "Oh, this is a this is a bow shooting event." Oh yeah, absolutely. Here's my twenty dollars. Yeah. Sign this me is, up. That's how it should be. It should they should just be excited to be part of it and archery as a whole. They're not working. They're not at school. They're not at college. They're out there doing something fun. Not saying school and college and working isn't fun. Sometimes my job's fun. Sometimes a lot of the time, and uh, they're that's how it should be. They just should be out there just enjoying the moment, not getting too caught up with their score and if they lost any arrows or whatnot. That's what I love about tack. Tack was a is a blessing to me as a bow shop owner just because everybody's getting ready for it like opening day. Like they're, oh man, I need two dozen arrows. I'm gonna shoot the Sitka and the black rifle and the BRCC course and me and my buddies with that they're out there decked out in camo in April. Look like they're heading to the deer woods. And you and then you, and then there you are, Neil, with your dead gum fluorescent colored target bow. I could see it from three miles away. <laughs> Wearing a wearing a pair of thrift store sweatpants and a and pink a Jansport pink backpack from 1988. Absolutely, yeah. I, I try to you in the crowd of a thousand. I'm like, I know that guy with that big old target bow. <laughs> seven seven power lens clarifier set a 20 25 inch front bar, 15 inch back bar, brand new Hoyt Stratus straight up the mountain. How and many it, comments did you get about that bow? For real though, on, on the day you were there, how many or how many days you shot? How many people comment on it? Like, what is that? I shot it two different days, and we made pretty good time. We didn't get stuck behind many people. So the first day, pretty much got rained out, and we shot it like three to six. Didn't have many people up there. I think that's yeah. when we ran into you and Jacob. Um, and the second day was super early, and we got off got off the mountain and got out of there. So yeah, there were some people that were like, "Why'd you bring a target bow up here?" And I was like, "Well, it's target bow shooting season in my world, you yuppies. Everybody's in two thousand dollars worth of Sitka camo for a fun shoot." I'm like, yeah, okay, all right, whatever, yeah. whatever sells the arrows, whatever. That, dem- that demographic of people there is there's in in my perspective, there's two separate people are separate groups of archers there's the tax shooters and then the asa shooters or the other the competition shooters i should say we'll just we'll, we'll throw all the competition shooters into one group and all the tax shooters they don't crisscross very much but us target shooters will go to tack but the guys who shoot tack will seldom seldom come over to shoot an asa or an ibo or an nfaa event because they don't want their scores wrote down forever for everybody to see they want to be able to go out there and lose 15 arrows and have a good time and no one to say anything about it. <laughs> it goes, it goes back to the mentality of shooting the hinge. I don't mind missing, but I want to know why I missed. Yeah. And if I'm, if I'm shooting over one limb and I clear it and I hit four more limbs and I don't know where my arrow landed. Yeah. That's not an ethical shot that I'm practicing on an animal. That's not a hunting scenario. So we can get rid of that narrative real quick. I just want to know, can I, can I shoot a group? Can I pull that off? What's the bow doing at 88 yards? That's what I'm, I, I just want to see the arrow land. I, yeah. I don't care. I don't really care is, where. A lot of that is just knowing your, the arc of your arrow and knowing your setup. And in a sense, it, if you are going, if, for me, I have so many different bows set up. To be honest with you, Neil, I, I probably didn't shoot the same bow attack that I'm deer hunting with right now, nor will I next year because I probably have three or four different setups between April and, <laughs> and October 1st. 
but uh, if you know you're if you're gonna stick with the same setup and you know your arcs and stuff, it can help you in the woods. But most of those most of those shots in a hunting scenario, I would be like, I need to get about forty five to fifty yards closer before I'm launching an arrow anyway. Yeah, that's the it. There's a little bit of standoffish attitude there because the guys are like, "What you 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 know? You're saying you wouldn't shoot an elk at eighty yards?" I'm like, "Yeah, because I shoot." field and i know exactly what my groups look like at 80 I yards would, but i would still try to get closer if the opportunity yeah. arose yeah yeah just another opportunity for my buddies to not come shoot a tournament on saturday sunday yeah come on I was, I was curious to ask you that because the last year well not not this not this one but the year before their first year i showed up with a matthews verdicts with a or i'm sorry a red achieve target site on my bow and just mm-hmm. that red on my bow threw everybody for a loop. And they're like, what is that? And I was adjusting my sight, and I was going click, click, click. And, like, you know how those target sights, they'll, they got that chink sound when you're rolling from 20 to 50. Mm-hmm. Like, That's going to scare a deer. I'm like, yeah, same. maybe. That's not, yeah, for, this ain't, not, not for deer hunting. <laughs> this, I was going to say, this ain't, this ain't for deer. I'm not sliding. I'm not sliding anything when, I, when that deer walks in. It's dead quiet and dead still on my end. So I don't uh, if it's good for archery and it's good for the shops, I'm I'm all for it. But these guys need to come shoot a field round. It's it's the most technical challenge. I just I don't I just don't see how they compare. But whatever whatever sells admission tickets, you know I'm kind of jaded on it. But yeah, it's it's a it's a, archery as a whole. You got to grow it, and we all got to get along and and like you know accept every avenue of it if the guy wants to go out there and he only wants to shoot tack and he wants to spend all his hard-earned dollars traveling around to pay that much admission to not win anything back then more power to him or if a guy never wants to go anything but an ibo or whatever it's just it is what it is they're different strokes for different folks but i uh i like it as a whole I'll, i'll shoot any avenue of archery and just the same as hunting you know i am a bow hunter at heart but I will also rifle hunt, muzzleloader hunt, whatever, because I like hunting in general, and I'm not just jaded to one style, if that makes sense. But I mostly a bow for the most part. <laughs> I, 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 I'm I'm with you. I, I'll probably get dragged to the next one as long as it's not during turkey season. But if those dates if if those dates are on top of each other, I'm a hundred percent going to save several hundred dollars on that weekend because I'll stay home. Is you got to be like me and make your turkey season last all of about 15 minutes on opening day. And then you can just go do whatever you want to do for the rest of April. I was going to say, you probably killed quite a few more turkeys than yours truly. Yeah, I've, uh, I've, I've been pretty good with turkey hunting the last few years. I've, my voice is all uh, jacked up right now from having a cold, but I take pride. And if you've been on the 3D range with me, you've probably heard my calls to the turkey gods and my gobbling because that's kind of my signature signature sound to let everybody know that i'm there and out there to get them but 100 percent four or five hundred percent my bow with my natural voice and so that's been fun the one i killed this spring on opening day public land bird um wasn't a real big bird by any means but he was a tom for all all intensive purposes um and i shot him with my bow off the ground um, calling him in my natural voice on public land. So I was pretty, pretty stoked about that. That's, that's pretty crazy. That's a, uh, that's a pretty good accomplishment. Yeah. If you could pick between the numbers being the way they are, <laughs> if you could pick between hunting turkeys and hunting deer, which way are you going? Just in Oklahoma or 
all around? In general. Mm. <laughs> Pro- probably turkeys, just because it's more run and gun. And with a bow and arrow, there's just so much more thrill with it when you get a big gobbler to commit to coming in to four or five yards. And I know a lot of people like that that are just hardcore turkey hunters at heart. And honestly, I talk a big game. I have, I've killed quite a few turkeys, but not as many as I would like to. Um, the 3D season always kind of coincides with spring anyway, like you said. So if I wasn't traveling around shooting the ASA stuff, I would put together a trip to hit all the states and try to get, you know, my Merriam, Osceola, my, my Gould, maybe go down to Mexico and get a Gould's or something. That would be, that's a lifelong accomplishment for me to be able to kill a, kill the slam with a bow. That'd be pretty crazy. Yeah. Pretty crazy. Um, well, before we get out of here, Tell everybody where where they can find your shop and what your what your normal hours of operation are heading into season. Well, um, we are open Tuesday through Friday, ten to six, and Saturday nine to four. Close on Sundays and Mondays. Um, against my better judgment, we were supposed to be open six days a week this year, but I just couldn't handle that. I had such a workload, so we we stuck with the Tuesday through Saturday, but. We are in Wagner, um, south of uh, the intersection between 69 and 51. So 2111 South Dewey, Wagner, Oklahoma, 74467 is the exact address. Um, we, uh, we service all bows, recurves, crossbows, compounds, pretty much everything that uh, to do with archery. I get people calling me and they go, do you sell bows? And I go, no, slingshots and spears. Kind of, kind of got that from the. The Joe Dirt. No, snakes and spiders. Well, you just lost him right here at the end. Where'd he go? That's, that's a sh- yeah. I bet his phone died on him. Remember, he said he was on a backup phone. He's coming uh, in. Yeah, I'm back. Let's see. And we, I, and like I was saying, we work on everything. So if you got anything archery, anything in that avenue, bring it by and we'll see if we can't get you fixed up and tuned. How about your? Uh, Hi, we're working. Yeah, your social. I was gonna say, oh, what's uh, your what's your social media handles? Tybo's Archery um, on Facebook, and then Tybo ninety nine is my deal on uh, Instagram. I don't uh, do much on my Tybo's Archery Instagram just yet. I've been hacked three or four times, so I try to keep off of that. But Tybo's Archery on Facebook for the most part. I hackers suck. I've and I've, I've got shadow banned on Facebook three or four times, too. So I'm using my personal account for my business now, Ty Dameron, because um, some, somehow using keywords like shoot and, uh, oh, gosh, what is another one? Bows and arrows or something like that. They Facebook flagged me and said that that was inciting violence. I don't know. That's It's crazy. It That's happened to me. I saw our friends were at the Arizona Cup uh, during – tack the first year two years ago tack and they said hey we landed safely you're gonna practice rounds tomorrow i said good luck go shoot them up and that was an automatic three-day ban keyword on me. yeah, yeah. My, my last one was three months and oh it wasn't it wasn't that they turned off my facebook it was that you were gonna be on my business account that they were gonna uh shadow ban me or what was the word the terminology they used they were gonna limit my interaction with people so and I seen it right away. Like I, if I made a post, I was usually getting a hundred plus likes in a day or so. And it went down from that to like maybe 12. And oh, wow. it was terrible. So my customers weren't seeing what I was posting. So I had to start integrating my personal Facebook 
to uh, promote my business, which is pretty dumb. Yeah, that's crazy the way the they they all work and, and the AI thinks. Yep. Yeah. And to be, to be honest with you, though, guys, most of my business and I am super grateful. And it's like I said, it's another blessing from God that people are willing enough to spread the word and say, hey, you know, Ty does good work. You know, you go see him. Ninety nine percent of my business is referrals. And I am super grateful. Thank you so much to everybody who's done that for me. And the next guy tells the next guy and, and then so on and so forth. That's 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 how Tybo's Archery has grown so much in the short time that we've been in business. I think that's one of the best things about archery is that not only have I figured out how to solve my problem, but my buddy over here is going through it or so-and-so needs this done. And it's like, Hey, we can, we can manage that. We'll get you tuned up. Get Absolutely. your arrows flying straight. Absolutely. If you can't figure it out, there's somebody in a small community in this close circle that can figure it out or has probably a little better idea. So we can problem or figure it out together. It's getting so good now. You get guys that come up four solutions before you even tell them what the problem is. That's kind of me. <laughs> Once I've had me a couple black rifle coffees, my cognitive response is pretty dang quick. Um, you're catching me at the end of the day, so I'm not as a uh, you know enthusiastic as I usually am. But after a couple black rifles, man, I've got ideas. I, I, I can smell red. I, I, that's that's how you know good I get at stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't kidding, man. Yeah. Well, I say don't spend too much time in the shop the next couple of weeks. Hope you get out there and get in a tree stand and see some uh, see something worth flinging an arrow at, bud. Man, I uh, I don't want to make anybody mad and my customers, but I might just have to close up. Anybody looked at the weather? It's supposed to drop off to thirty two degrees for like three days in a row. Go from sixty to thirty, like the saw a dadgum state trooper. I want to be in the I want to be in the tree stand right then and there. So right as it right as that shifts to north wind. And then you're and you're shooting your indoor bow after that. As soon as you're done dragging them out, uh, man, I, what I'll probably end up doing is I'll probably shoot my indoor bows in the evenings after I get done hunting, and then uh, and just you know try to keep the reps in and keep shooting, just to keep the muscles warmed up and ready. That's all you can ask for, bud. Well, I appreciate you That's taking right. the time to sit down with us, man. Give us give us a little bit of insight into what you got going on. I I really do appreciate you. For sure, appreciate y'all. Neil, thanks uh, a lot. Hi, thanks a lot, buddy. You're welcome. Thank you. Y'all be good. All right. See ya. Take care. Later, bud. Bye-bye.